0: We can do better than that. We had like 20 people in 8:30, and they were much louder. <laughs> now, guys, good morning. Welcome to Christ King Ferndale. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Clark, and I am the worship director and the youth pastor here. And I'm excited for this morning because of uh, we're starting a new series called Small Things. And just like the uh, the video said, small things done consistently end up having the greatest spiritual impact. And so, what we want to do is the next over the next couple of weeks is we want to unpack what that looks like. What small things look like in our lives Uh, and I'm excited because I get to start off this series but at the same time I got to tell you this week has been man it's been absolutely difficult because I've had such a hard time finding that small thing and for those of you who are extroverts uh, you you get it you know how many of you are extroverts in here the real extroverts are the ones that just shoot their hand straight up. So, yeah, I had a hard time, really, just diving into this. But I got to tell you, it's it's been such a uh, such a trip to be able to dive into God's word and to see where He wants uh, wants us to go this morning. And so, what I want to do is I want to really just kind of focus in on uh, what that small thing is, what that looks like to us, and. How do we get there? But before we get there, I want to tell you a little story, and it involves me growing up in Hawaii. Uh, my cousins and I, we grew up, and we didn't, we didn't do church. Uh, so as a teenager, we, yeah, we didn't really hang out in church, so we didn't know how to do the whole church thing. And we had a youth pastor that uh, just loved us, like he just absolutely poured out into us. What he would do is he would come and pick us up. Every, every day after school, he'd pick me and my cousins up. And we'd go and play pickup basketball uh, at the local park with drunk old guys. Uh, and then after we were done beating those guys, we'd go and hang out and just sit on his tailgate at 7-Eleven and drink Slurpees and just hang out. We did that for like six months straight. And when I look back on it, I realized that during those first six months, never once, did he talk about Jesus. Never once did he do anything in that setting. All he wanted to do was just hang out with us. So he did that for six months straight. He'd pick us up, we go play basketball, beat a bunch of drunk old guys, and then go drink Slurpees. And what I've come to realize is because of that small act, I get to stand here today going, because of what happened then, it has made a profound spiritual impact on who I am and who my cousins are. And I can say proudly that I've got cousins who are in ministry just like me, and it's all because of that one small act. So I want you guys to know that the small thing during these next couple of weeks, know that when we pour into that small thing, whatever God has for us, it will make a profound spiritual impact. So let's break it down, small things. The first is this. Uh, Let's go ahead, if you are taking notes Uh, I've got some definitions for you. So the the first one is this, small. Webster's describes it as of limited size or of comparatively restricted dimensions. Not big, little, of no great size or importance. I'm going to read that again. Of limited size, of comparatively restricted dimensions, not big, little, of no great size or importance. Small. So... We've got small and then we've got things. Webster's defines things as this, it says some entity, object or creature that is not or cannot be specifically designated or precisely described. So just something general. And the reason why we're using the term small things is because what that looks like to us, to each one of us, could be different. So as we unpack this over the next couple of weeks, I want you to really understand what that is, what that looks like for us. Small things done over a long period of time create the greatest impact. So I wanna do a little quiz for you, small things. Uh, I'm going to say uh, something large and how it begins. So, uh, for example, a marathon. A marathon begins with one step, exactly, thank you. Thank you, makes me happy. All right, here we go, next one, a recipe. A recipe begins with one ingredient. Man, you guys are on it. I love it. This is great. Here we go. A song. A song begins with, oh, man. You guys, wait, did you put that up before? Okay, cool. Just checking. You guys are awesome. Sweet. That makes me happy. You guys aren't cheating. All right. Next one. And this one I actually had to talk with a buddy of mine because I was trying to get an idea of what he was coming from. But a revolution begins with one change. Exactly, revolution begins with one change. Uh, Without that change, we cannot revolt. Without that change, there is no revolution. Next one, a life. A life begins with one breath. Ah, I'm gonna go even deeper than that and say a life begins with one heartbeat. A life begins with the first heartbeat. A fortune, a fortune begins with one dollar. I love going into restaurants and seeing, seeing that dollar bill just framed and then being able to talk to people about that, who have that framed dollar bill, and to know that it was because of that first dollar that they were able to say, all right, we can do this. So fortune begins with one dollar. And finally, a change. A change begins with one decision. I don't know how many of you guys were here when I spoke uh, For new years and talking about new year new you and talking about changing and all that deals with wanting to change and making that decision to change without those decisions without making that first decision we cannot change so all of these things from marathons to recipes to songs they all start small here's the crazy thing is we as a society we as humanity we are always drawn towards the next big thing. That's what the world is always asking. What is the next big thing? What's the next big thing? It could be the Super Bowl. It could be NBA championship, the World Series. Someone in the first service threw out the Masters. The Masters are on right now. It could be anything uh, in that that realm. I've got my green socks because uh, Seahawks, go Hawks. I wanted to show that to Howie here. So, for those of you who don't know, Howie's a 49ers fan. So, oh, I'm messing. My son actually chose those for me. So, it could be the next medical breakthrough, uh, the cure for cancer, uh, the cure for baldness, something. It, it, I, I'm going to go with that. I'm just going to go with that. Uh, it could be the next market upswing or startup business. The next Facebook. The next Twitter. The next uh, Snapchat, the next big thing, or it could be a celebrity, the next Justin Bieber. Wow, it was funny that it's funny that I have I, I one. Thanks, thanks, Rich. I threw that out in first service, and first service are a bunch of uh, I love them, but they're a bunch of older people. So when I threw out the next Justin Bieber, I had groans like all over the place. Like it, it, it was it was a good like two minutes of. Uh, I was like, come on, Justin Bieber's great. He had purpose. It was an awesome album. I'm a, I digress, I digress. I, I'm a youth pastor, so I digress. So, uh, Yeah, so it could be the next Justin Bieber. Uh, or this one, the next Apple product, the next iPhone. And I'm going to go ahead and put myself in that category. Oh my gosh. Uh, iPhones, Apple could, could come out with uh, the worst product. And I guarantee you, I'm going to buy it. Because that's the next big thing. iPad Pro, boom, sold iPhone 7, boom, sold, because that's the next big thing. And it could be a life transition, uh, getting married, having children, or it could be a job promotion. There's so many next big things. And it got me wondering, why are we drawn, as humanity, why are we drawn towards the next big thing? And in research, I've come to find the next big thing is such a draw for us as humans because we, uh, the next big thing uh, tends to make us feel successful. We get a job promotion, we're moving up the ranks. Makes us feel successful. The next big thing is such a draw because it also makes us feel like we're in control. It's also a draw because it makes us feel superior. I will whip out my iPhone 6 in front of people with flip phones and ask them what they need and talk to Siri because I am superior. The next big thing is such a draw because it makes us feel superior. It also makes us feel secure. I'm going to go back to the iPhone 6. I can do touch ID and no one else can get into my phone. I feel secure. The next big thing is a draw because it also makes us feel significant. We tend to Pour everything into that next big thing and it makes us feel significant. And finally, I believe the next big thing is such a draw for us because we believe that bigger equals better. Bigger equals better. That's what we believe. But here's something else I found out. Here's what happens when we strive for bigger bigger ends up leaving us tired. We end up getting tired always trying to keep up. Bigger also ends up leaving us overwhelmed where we become anxious. We, become, we feel out of control. We become stressed because we're always striving for bigger. Bigger will end up leaving us discontent and wanting more. iPhone, new iPhone came out. I want that. I actually remember when I got my first iPhone, it was the iPhone 3GS, back in 2008. Yeah, I was going to say, I I know the date, for crying out loud. Because as soon as the iPhone 3GS came out, I was like, sweet, I'm going to get that. And then the iPhone 4 came out, ah, I got to get that. And then the iPhone 5 came out, ah, I got to get that. And now I'm at the iPhone 6. We become discontent because we are looking for bigger. And finally, bigger ends up leaving us distracted. We become distracted by the noise and the busyness of striving for that bigger. It comes down to this. Humanity has always thrived on the idea that bigger will make us feel better. But The great thing is God has always gone small, and he has invited humanity to trust him. Read to you really quickly here from Matthew chapter one. It says this: says she's going to have a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He is the one who will save his people from their sins. The King of the Universe came as a small baby, not as a nation-conquering, delivering King that was expected. God came down in the form of a small baby born in a manger. God has always gone small. He also said this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. He says, because of your lack of faith, Jesus replied, I'm telling you the truth. If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. God goes small. Jesus said, if we have faith, even the size of a mustard seed, not a mountain of faith to move a mustard seed, but a mustard seed-sized faith to move a mountain. Jesus also says in Mark 9, 35, says this, it says, Jesus sat down and called the 12. If you want to be first, he said, you must be last of all and servant of all. Jesus said, if we want to be great in his kingdom, we must take a small role and become servant of all not contingent on the self-glorifying acts of greatness. We must be small. And finally, in Luke 16, it says this, someone who is faithful in a small matter, Jesus continued, will also be faithful in a large one. Someone who is dishonest in a small matter will also be dishonest in a large one. So Jesus has told us if we are faithful in the small things, we would be entrusted with the bigger things. But I want you to realize the small things to Jesus, they matter, and it's not up to us to let someone else worry about them. Humanity wants God to reveal himself in big ways when they have big needs. The cool thing is God uses small things to help his children know and to trust him in everything. And so from there, brings up the question, how does God speak to his children? And I've come to realize that God speaks to his children in a still small voice. And that's where we come to our scripture passage for this week. And it's First Kings chapter 19, verse 11 through 12. And it says this, it says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So I want to give a little context to this story. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Prophet Elijah, just the previous chapter, had gone up against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And this is one of my favorite stories because this is where God reveals himself in such a mighty way. So the prophet Elijah goes up against the prophets of Baal, and he says, let's have a contest. We're going to build, a, build an altar, and the first person's God to come down and rain fire on this altar uh, will be the God that the Israelites serve. I believe that Elijah was doing this with the intention of changing the heart of King Ahab, and his wife, Queen Jezebel. And so, story goes, the prophets of Baal, they're praying, they're lifting up their voices to this idol, nothing happens. And then it's Elijah's turn, and he comes up, and he builds a trench around this altar. Then he starts pouring water over this, so much so that the entire trench is full of water, and the wood is super soaked, so you can't, there's no way that we could uh, light this light this altar on fire. And then he prays to God to come and rain down fire. And sure enough, God shows it and just pours down fire to the point that the altar is completely decimated. All that water is gone, and he shows up. It's just amazing. God has showed himself in such a mighty way. But then we get into chapter 19. King Ahab saw this, and what he did was he went back to Jezebel and said, everything that happened. So Jezebel who was a lover of this idol Baal, decides that she's going to send a death threat to Elijah. She tells Elijah, uh, may God deal with me ever so severely if you don't end up like those prophets. So here we go. How does Elijah go from being so confident in the power of God? Here you have something that's just, just a mighty showing of God. And here he is standing there confident to running away, running and fearing for his life. I believe Elijah was counting on the revelation of God on Mount Carmel to change King Ahab's heart. But instead, he was met with a death threat. And for someone who trusted that God revealing himself in such a mighty way, no less that would change the hearts and have that not happen, becomes disheartening. So he runs away, giving up on drawing Israel to God. And here he is right now, he's on Horeb, the mountain of God, and he's just pouring out his heart, he's lamenting, he's saying, God, I'm done, I'm done, I don't want to deal with this anymore, just go ahead and take me now, kill me now. So what does God do? God decides to reveal himself, he says, it says right there, it says he passed by with a mighty windstorm, with an earthquake and a fire, and finally a gentle whisper." And it's through all of that that Elijah was able to hear the still, small voice of God. God has called us to start small. God has called us to start small. He doesn't want us to just dive into something huge. He's called us to start small. Zechariah 4.10 says this. It says, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Man, I got to tell you, this was such a hard uh, message for me to speak, mainly because uh, if you know me, you know that I am not one to start small and be still and listen to that small voice. If you know me, I am a chihuahua who wakes up at 3 o'clock and makes an espresso for himself and then goes out and runs a marathon and then comes back and makes another espresso because it's only 4.30 and then goes back out and decides to mow the lawn and then comes back and makes another espresso because it's only five. Uh, That's me. I am just jittery and just crazy. And this week was super hard for me to just be still and listen to that still small voice. In fact, I was throwing out uh, different questions. I know there's some of you here who are listening to this going, yeah, I've tried it. It doesn't work. And here are the questions that I have to ask you, that I have to ask myself. In whose strength do we start small? What was your true motivation to start small? And finally, Who picked that small thing? This week, my challenge to you is not to go out and find out what do you need to do? Who do you need to be? My challenge is for you to be able to be still and listen to that still small voice. It is challenging. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to say it's easy because life is so busy. Life gets so crazy. It's like a mighty windstorm and an earthquake and a fire just wrapped up in a one. And you're trying your darndest to listen to the still, small voice of God. But I guarantee you that when you are able to turn down the busyness of life and just be still, you're going to hear him. That's my challenge this week is to just be still. In first service at, 8, at the 8.30 service, uh, uh, I had 60 seconds where it was this complete silence. Come to find out, we've got a radio station that's blaring some soccer game happening over in wherever. That's, it's very faint, but you can hear it. And so one of the gals came up to me and said, I don't know if that was God. But was he calling a football game? (laughs) To which I told her, he might have. Um, But here's the deal. I'm going to actually throw this out again. 60 seconds of just complete silence. And for those of you who are like me, I'm going to try to stand right here. Uh, For those of you who are like me, that's going to be the hardest thing to do. Uh, You might see me fidget. You might see me convulse. Uh, something, but uh, we're going to do 60 seconds of just complete silence and do our best to hear that still small voice. A still small voice. If you heard a football game, awesome. But I challenge you this week to find those times: 60 seconds, two minutes, five minutes, but to just be still. I'm challenging myself because man, as difficult. Uh, but I, I believe that's where God calls us to start to start with listening to that still small voice because small things done consistently and over a long period of time end up having the greatest spiritual impact. I can tell you right now, I'm proof of that. I am proof that when we are consistent with that small thing, it makes such a great impact, not only on ourselves, but on those around us. I'm not even going to tell you guys how to listen to that small, still small voice because there's so many things that we could do, so many things that we could try. What could work for me probably won't work for you, but I do challenge you to try this week to be still. And listen to that still, small voice. We tried, uh, th- this morning we were changing things up because what I want to do is I want to close out the service this morning not with a closing song, but just in quietness. Just finding that time. We're going to invite the prayer team to come on up here in just a little bit. I'm going to play a song. Have the lights down so you guys don't see me fidgeting up here. It's moving because I want you guys to stay focused on being still and finding that still small voice. What that looks like today. What that looks like tomorrow. And then next week, we're going to come back and we're going to unpack those small decisions that we make and how that, when we start focusing on those small decisions, how that will create the greatest impact not only for us, but for those around us as well. So I'd like to call the prayer team to come on up. And I want to leave you guys with this. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Guys, I am super, super excited that we get to do this, that we get to hang out, we get to enjoy what God has done. There's amazing things happening, not only here at uh, Christ King Ferndale, there's amazing things happening here in Ferndale as a community, and I'm super excited to be a part of that. And I know that as we continue to do life together, as we continue to do those small things individually, that together. They start to impact those around us. Small things done consistently and over a long period of time will have the greatest spiritual impact. I want to thank you guys for coming and spending time with us. Again, if you're new, we are super excited to have you here. We hope that you will come back and join us next week as we continue this series. We've got some awesome people here on the side to pray with you. Uh, If you have a prayer need, if you've got anything on your heart, these guys are amazing, amazing people to pray with. Please don't leave without coming to see them. But we invite you to come on back next week because this series is going to, it's going to change. It's going to change a lot of people. It's going to change a lot of uh, how we look at the things that we do, how we look at uh, who we are not only for ourselves, but for those around us. I challenge you, challenge you to find that still small voice. Again, thank you so much for coming. We're going to close out now. I'm going to have these guys turn the lights off so you guys don't see me fidget around here. We're going to play some music, but once you are ready to go, the doors are going to open, feel free to head out. Thank you again for joining us. Have a great week, everyone.